0: Live and local. This is The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. Streaming live on 1037 The Game mobile app and online at 1037thegame.com. It is a Saints touchdown. This is The Jordy Holberg Show. Hey, baby. We're going to be here. Call us up at 337-706-0111. I like that kind of party. Now, here's your host, Jordy Holberg, And a great good
1: afternoon. What a difference a day makes. I hope everyone was um, safe and sound as that uh, rainy, windy storm um, swept through the state of Louisiana. And today, you know what we call it. It's the Chamber of of Commerce Thursday, the final day in the month of March, the 31st day, and tomorrow, don't get fooled now, just be ready, because tomorrow's April 1st, and you know what comes with that, Um, a lot of stuff. We got a lot of stuff on your plate today. My main man, James Mesh, back in the master control suite in the game studios, which are on the campus of Delta Media, which houses KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette, we're also on 1041 Lake Charles, where the game, and we are Southwest Louisiana's sports station. We got baseball tonight, normally a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, but because of television and whatever. And um, whatever, LSU and Auburn will um, knock it around the park today, starting at 6 pm. So a Thursday. Friday at six PM and a Saturday closing at one PM at Alec Box Stadium and Skip Bertman Field. Of course, you can listen to all the games right here on the Game. Final Four teams are making their way into the Crescent City. They're there in the Crescent City now. Only three games left in college basketball. Kind of. Kind of bittersweet for me, but um, still, in all, it's uh, it's been quite quite a year, quite a year. And while all the focus and attention is centered on New Orleans, not many people unless you're a true, true college basketball enthusiast, and I mean a true in the truest sense of the word, will be paying attention tonight. But one of college basketball's greatest traditions will end, and almost certainly forever. The National Invitational Tournament, the NIT, was first played in Madison Square Garden in 1938. That was a year before the NCAA tournament was launched. Tonight, Texas A&M and Xavier will play for the NIT title in what will be, you know, no doubt, a less than half full Madison Square Garden, the Mecca. And then after 85 years and 83 tournaments, the NIT in New York will be no more. And what do I say about anything? Follow the money. The money will always tell you the truth. And the bottom line, the NCAA, which runs the NIT and Madison Square Garden, the the bottom line is the bottom line. The garden is as expensive a rental as there is in sports. Can you guess what it would cost to rent out Madison Square Garden for one night, one event? I can tell you, three hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Three fifty. $350. You wonder why the Knicks and and all these are, are, are valued so highly. Three hundred and fifty thousand dollars a night. They can't make up that money, so it's it's gone, going, going, and gone. um So anyway, I thought that was kind of fascinating. And, um, in basketball news on the LSU front, Matt McMahon is reportedly set to hire his second assistant. According to John Rothstein of CBS sports, McMahon is going to bring along former Murray state assistant coach, Casey long with him to Baton Rouge. There's a reason why familiarity certainly, but did you know that Lee long was a native of Leesville, Louisiana? Um, he spent two seasons on will Wade's staff from 2015 to 27. And he spent five seasons with McMahon at Murray state. So just makes sense. Familiar with what McMahon wants to do and how he wants to implement it at LSU. He's from Louisiana. He has connections here. Um, And maybe just maybe with so many players leaving. oh, Oh, by the way, um, Two more Tigers have entered the transfer portal, and Darius Days has entered the draft. Big man Bradley Ezawairo and guard Justice Williams are the latest to enter the portal. Um, That means only four players from last year's team remain. Eric Gaines, Mawani Wilkinson, Efton Reed, and Alex Fudge. I I would be stunned if all four of those stayed. I'd be stunned. So Coach Long, um, Casey Long, could help to get more players from Murray State to come to LSU if that's the direction that they want to go. Time will tell. Only time will tell. Um, Portal News on the football front as well. Defensive back pig cage has entered his name in the portal. Cage was the kid who um, gave up his scholarship at nickel state to walk on at LSU. Um, He became valuable late in the season when so many players were hurt or opted out or whatever. Um, When the scholarship play uh, numbers dwindled to 38, he played um, in eight games for LSU and he started in the Texas bowl. Well, he, He thought maybe he was going to get a scholarship because of all that. Well, the new coaching staff comes in and goes, no, we're not giving you a scholarship. We don't know anything about you. Uh, we got to wait and see. And when he didn't get the scholarship, he said, you know what? Uh, I I can't afford to pay for school. I got to go. I got to go. Uh, So he enters the portal. So so we'll see uh, what happens there. Um, Gymnastics, the sixth ranked team in the country will start its journey for a national championship tonight. They're the number two seed in the Raleigh Regional, Raleigh, North Carolina, of the 2022 National uh, NCAA Gymnastics Championships. LSU will compete in Session 1 of the second round against Missouri, Iowa, and North Carolina State. Session 2 features Michigan UCLA, Maryland, and the winner of Towson and Iowa. The meet will begin to well, – it's already underway. It's already underway. We'll, and uh, so we'll see if we can find the results of of LSU and um, gymnastics, who's had an up-and-down kind of a year. Um Maybe they're saving the best for last, right? Maybe they're saving the best for last. Three of the LSU gymnastics earned All-American and All-SEC honors from this season. Tampa Bay coach Bruce Arians retiring from coaching, moving into the front office uh, role for Tampa by the Bay, and um, you know, so many people saying, "Oh, Tom Brady forced him out." Tom Brady, for- I, I don't, I don't believe that. I think, I think Bruce Arians, he's going to turn seventy. Soon, going to turn 70. Don't need to be coaching, retire, enjoy your life. Take that plush front office uh, advisory role and, and go play golf or do get on a boat or do what you like to do. Um, I think Bruce Arians said when Tom Brady announced his retirement, I mean, I can't leave this team like they can't lose the, the, the quarterback and the coach all in the same season. I'm not, not going to do that. Uh, it's kind of like Sean Payton with Drew Brees. Drew Brees retired. Sean Payton said, Nah, I'm not gonna, no, nah, I'm gonna coach. I'm not gonna leave this team. I, I'm gonna see what I can do. Um, and so that was that. Well, when Tom Brady announced that he's coming back, Bruce Aaron said, Why not? <laughs> Now's the perfect time to go. Perfect time to go. And uh, so he will take over that role. And already in place, Todd Bowles is the successor, and he is the head coach. So there you go. We'll have all these stories and much, much more. Our guest list today, uh, Matthew Bruni. We'll join us. We'll talk all things LSU sports. We'll talk about LSU baseball, basketball, um, football. They they're on the practice field yet again later on this this or this late afternoon. They get on the field around five o'clock. I don't know why. I, but anyway, that that's what they do. Uh Blake Lavelle from at 14 Southeastern. We'll we'll talk all things SEC sports. We'll talk about Texas AM going for an NIT championship. And I guess the question is, would you would you prefer to get into the NCAA tournament and lose in the first round, or would you rather be invited into the NIT and be playing for a championship? The NIT used to be so highly, highly regarded. Now, obviously, it's not with the expansion into, you know, back, back in the day, he had 32 teams in the NCAA tournament. When I played, he had 48 Teams in the NCAA tournament. It was hard to get in. A lot of really good teams didn't get in and they played in the NIT and the NIT tournament was terrific. Terrific. Now it was 68 teams. It gets so watered down, but AM felt like they belonged in the tournament and now they're proving and maybe they did and they're going to p- compete against Xavier, a really good basketball school. Uh, for a championship. So we'll talk about that much more with Blake Lavelle. Chris Dunnels will join us in our number two. We'll talk all about the New Orleans Saints. Get his. So we've been talking about this upcoming draft and free agency. We'll get his opinion on what the Saints could do and should do. And then my main man, Frank Schwab from Yahoo Sports, uh, will join us. We'll get his Final Four uh, prediction and all things NFL. So there you go. All right, there you go. D.C.'s Little Capital Exxon, I-10, at the Henderson-Cecilia exit. Uh, It's a great go-to stop. They've got everything you need, um, everything. Gasoline, you can uh, go inside and find all kinds of snacks and goodies. But if you go in the front door and you take a hard right, right there in the corner, is the best true soul food deli you'll ever, ever find. They're world famous for their cheeseburgers. And I'm here to tell you, I've tried them all. in and out Burger. What a burger. Well, you name it, I've tried it. It's the best. It really, truly is. Now, you may have to wait two minutes, three minutes, because they cook it fresh to order now. Fresh to order, and they wrap it up nice and good. You can you can sit down and eat right there. Or, of course, hop in the car, get it to go, and yummy. You're going to love it. DC's Little Capital Exxon. Frankie's a great guy. He loves sports. He loves the Tigers, the Cajuns. He loves the, uh, the Cowboys uh, from McNeese, right? He loves the Saints. He loves the Pelicans. Oh, speaking of which, the Pelicans, um, welcome back, home cj mccullum uh, and the pelicans started off great kind of hit a lull here come the, here come the trailblazers with players on that team i never heard of uh but in the long run at the end of the day the Pel's get the job done uh now awaiting the big matchup friday in um i i, I can't remember the name i uh, always call it the staples center anyway they're taking on the lakers on friday Big game, big game. And the word is Anthony Davis is going to come back. So what? Who cares? The main thing is LeBron James might not play. That's the most important thing. Anthony Davis doesn't, doesn't do anything. LeBron? LeBron's capable of getting you 39 or 49 or more. So we'll see on that. So um, that's what we got planned for you today. So sit back and relax. This is the Geordie Holtberg Show, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. We are Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Matthew Bruni talking all things Tigers
0: next. He's been a star on the hardwood and in the broadcast chair. So what's the secret to the Blonde Bomber's success? Easy. Taking time to work on his tan. You
2: look marvelous.
0: Back to more of the tanned and talented Jordy Holtberg. On the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station.
1: And we're back on this last day in the month of March. The LSU Tigers, the 12th-ranked Tigers, begin a three-game SEC series tonight against the Auburn Tigers. First picture set for 6 p.m. You can listen to all the action from Alec Box Stadium, Skip Burtman Field right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. We've got that at 6. you got spring football practice taking place tonight. We're trying to figure out all the, the coaching staff for basketball. Who, who's going to stay, if anybody? Are they all hitting the, the transfer portal? Who's going to fill out the roster? There's only one person to talk to. That's Matthew Bruni from Go247 Sports. Matthew, it's a, never a dull time. Never, never a dull moment in Tiger Town. How you doing, buddy?
3: I'm, I'm doing great. Like you said, I, I thought, you know, maybe once we hit April, we'll be like, okay, you know, now I can take a step back, you know, be, be all right. Nope. Nope. We're, we're going full force still.
1: Full steam. Man. Let's start with uh, – start with baseball trying to extend its win streak to four games tonight. Uh you think the Tigers figured it out. Something happened between the end of that game Friday night against Florida and the start of the game Saturday against something happened because maybe they ate their spinach like Popeye or something because they're they're blasting the ball now.
3: Yeah uh it it definitely looks that way when when uh We talked to Jay Johnson earlier in the week. He said uh, someone asked him about that, like what changed Friday uh, to Saturday or, you know, starting on Friday. And he said he wanted to keep that internal, basically saying they had, you know, a long, hard, you know, one of those hard conversations that you have to have as as a team that's struggling. And they came out the other side and uh, just started blasting the ball. Like you said, I, I think another thing we have to take into account is the errors. I mean they cleaned it up pretty significantly yeah. significantly over the last two games. So I mean that's what this team needs to be, right? Going into the season we're like okay, we don't know about the pitching, but the batting upside is is very high. So if they can just not give the team the other team runs and and, and bases like for free, then they're going to be really tough to beat even if they're just hitting at, you know, uh, their normal capacity.
1: Right. Yeah, um, both teams, Auburn, LSU, 3-3 three and three in the SEC. Uh, so LSU, Auburn, Texas A&M, Mississippi State, uh, all tied for second place in the SEC West. You look at schedules, LSU struggled against Texas A&M. Auburn won two or three games at A&M last weekend. So a team that is uh, number three in the league in batting average, number five in the league in Team ERA, and nobody gives Auburn much credit, but they must be pretty
3: good. Yeah, they, they can hit the ball. It's nothing else. They they can hit the ball, um, okay. and that's what obviously they face LSU faced Florida as well, another team that just rakes. Uh, I think a positive for LSU was obviously Mikael Hilliard, and we know how good Mikael can be going into the season. Yeah. We well, we've seen him. You know, he's he's a very good pitcher, but for him to Play as well, uh, to pitch as well as he did against Florida on Saturday was just incredibly, incredibly encouraging. So you, you have that now one two with Money and Hilliard, who and even though Money you know did did get hit plenty, uh, yeah. Johnson was sure to to say that he liked a lot of what he saw from him. So you know if Money and Hilliard can can lock in and give be those one twos that that can can win you games, then I, I think that bodes well for them. Even though. I think the number three and that, that Sunday guy is kind of in the air at times still for the team.
1: It's kind of funny to me. Um, if if no coaching change had taken place and if Paul Maneri was still coaching and they were three and three at this time of the year in the league and eighteen and seven over, they'd be calling for I mean there'd be a lot of rumbling going on. You know what I mean? But with the new coach coming in, um, uh, I don't hear any of that. Do you?
3: Not really. No, I mean I've seen some of because obviously we have a whole board and we have a lot of baseball fans on on there and everything. I, I've seen a lot of oh this is just an extent like this is nothing. It, does, it looks the same as last year, right? Uh, to uh-huh. a degree. Uh, that that's obviously when they were losing games and they lost you know the two out of three day and in then you lose to La Tech and you lose to Florida and it's just mm. you know the offense couldn't do anything and then you're giving up you know three errors a game basically and so right. I, I do think that there is still obviously that grace period that you give coaches and the wins over Florida really ignite that. And, you know, if they had gone 0 and 3 or even 1 and 2 against Florida, I-, I think there would still be some restlessness, yeah. but I think those two wins over Florida at least give Huge. fans something yeah. to hold on to and may Huge. give them a direction moving forward.
1: Huge wins. No question about that. Yeah. Matthew Bernie, go to four seven sports. All right. Um, From your impressions of watching LSU football and their approach during the spring, um, what do you think of Brian Kelly and how his staff are doing things?
3: Uh, There's a really, really good pace to it. Uh, He talked about the GPS tracking and everything like that. I thought that was interesting. Uh, Last time we went, the defense was going through um, really, really quick drills, like a few minutes each, just Mm -hmm. rapid, rapid. Then they blow a whistle, rotate, rotate. Um, I, I like the pace of it. It's uh, Brian Kelly was with the the quarterbacks a lot of the time last time we went as well. Uh, we got to see a little bit of eleven on eleven stuff. Obviously, it's early and they're just. I feel like they're trying to feel out what they have to a degree still. You know, they want to see the the bullets flying a little bit. I think especially with the quarterbacks as they try to to evaluate them. So yeah, it's it's been interesting. I, I've I've I, a lot of it for me is just kind of taking in the players and taking in the coaches and how they how they do things. So yeah. um, it, it's gone well so far, though. Impressive, though.
1: You you, you like it? Yes. Do you notice a difference yes. from what you've seen in the past?
3: I, the Obviously, I, I got here last year, and you know, early in the year, there's still a lot of energy, a lot of excitement. And I think we've talked about it before, as the year went on, it was kind of like you, you could feel it. You could feel yeah. it starting to die down a bit. And so yeah there there is a renewed energy i I do think you know they did have really good assistance on last year's team too, right? I mean, you go through you know baker and and all of them mm-hmm. uh so it's not a shot at last year's staff it's just it's just a new energy and it's a new team right. it's a whole new team, <laughs> so we have to remember yeah. that as well so it it's been it's been uh very interesting to watch them work.
1: Every try, everybody's trying to put their best foot forward to impress the coach uh, and, and the assistant coaches. I uh, quarterbacks. Um, what have you seen? Anybody standing out in the limited time that you get to see them?
3: Uh, it's still early to, to for me to make a call. Uh, I do like Jaden Daniels though, and I, I think um, he his arm is is up to where I think it. It I expected it to be. Garrett Nussmeyer still can sling it. I mean, he is that gunslinger guy that we all know him to be. It still impresses me uh, mm-hmm. at times. And then Miles Brennan looks like he is um, just that season better and that knows what he has to do and gets in, gets out. So uh, we we obviously we were able to watch a little bit of their eleven on 7 on seven stuff, and a lot of it was Jaden Daniels initially. So we we got to see him just run through the offense and make some. Not difficult throws, but makes some some at least tighter throws and with some defenders in the area. And He looked fine. Uh, he looked mobile. He didn't get pressured. He was able to escape. Uh, Miles Brennan uh, made made some solid throws as well, even though he had a lot less snaps in just our viewing time. So, okay. yeah, I, I like what I've seen from Daniel so far.
1: All right, uh, Matthew Bruni, go to 4-7 Sports. Is anybody going to stay on the LSU basketball team? I mean, they're all hitting the, they're all hitting the transfer portal. <laughs> I mean, all um, of them it seems like.
3: Yeah, all of them. I have gone in with I've gone in with the approach that they're all gone unless if they say they're staying. Like that's just been my approach this whole time and I yeah. obviously the coaching staff I'm sure is having conversations with them and you know, gauging where they are and if they can keep them and if they can stay. Um again, my approach is that they are not going to be staying unless otherwise indicated. Um mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know who's a candidate to stay anymore. Honestly, my best guess would have been Sharif O'Neill in the first place just because of his dad and because of the ties to LSU and now he's in the portal. So um yeah. I, I definitely think it's gonna be a clean slate. I, I don't see more than a few, if any, staying. Uh which right. isn't the end of the world that we knew it was gonna be a rebuilding That's year right. anyways, but uh That's right. Um yeah, it'll be. It, we'll see who McMahon brings in. I think that's a lot more interesting than than who leaves for the most part.
1: Right. They, well, they got the point guard from um, Murray mm-hmm. State. That tells me Eric Gaines is gone. Um, if they get one of these big power forwards, that tells me maybe a uh, Moani Wilkinson gone. I, I hope Efton Reed sticks around because I think he can be a good player. And size, is, size is everything. So, so we'll see. Um, before i let you get out of here we got the final four it's raining blue in my hometown of new orleans with um kansas taking on villanova and you've got of course the dream matchup of the uh, of uh carolina and duke so give me your prediction who wins the 1st semifinal between kansas and nova uh
3: i have kansas definitely with with Dixon out for, for Villanova, it's yeah. a big blow. Villanova's already yeah. pretty shallow as far as depth goes. They usually only play six or seven max.
0: Right, um,
3: right. So I, I got Kansas there. I just think that they're deeper and their offense is more potent. Uh, now the other one's tough. Duke Carolina is really tough for me because I like North Carolina's matchup really a lot with with Duke as far as their size goes. Oh man! If I had to choose, I'm gonna take Duke probably just because they're rolling on offense and they're uh, Jeremy Roach at point guard is playing really well for them. So Emben Carroll, and yes. Carroll, they're they're all playing playing well for Duke and they have enough talent to wear. Uh, they can just out talent teams at times. so those will be my I'm my with final you. I'm
1: with you on both fronts, the injury at Villanova, but I think that game's gonna be close. I think uh, and I think a lot of the the the, the betting force believes because it, it's only a four and a half point spread uh if mm-hmm. if Duke had beaten Carolina in coach K's final game at Cameron Indoor I would pick North Carolina to win this one but I'm picking the dukes uh, it's just it, it's going to be like john wooden john wooden wa- retired and he, he won his last game and won yet is uh, another national championship and I think duke is going to do it for coach K I really do we'll see um all right you okay. got busy day man you got to go to football practice and you got to go uh, over to the baseball game it, it, life is good man you, you
3: get all that free mm-hmm.
1: food and stuff. I mean they treat you like a king.
3: Oh yeah. Yep, that that's that's my life. I get treated as a king. Yeah, let's let's perpetuate <laughs> that one. I like that.
1: <laughs> Matthew Bernie. Have a great day, man. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Hi, buddy, boy. Matthew Bruni from Go247 Sports. Cycle Zydeco is a festival on wheels experiencing mouth-watering Cajun cuisine and live performances by some of the best bands in Louisiana. The ride, which will take place April 20th to the 24th, includes tours of many attractions and options for camping or staying in hotels. Immerse yourself in Acadiana, the birthplace of Zydeco. I didn't know that. Uh, Home to both Cajuns and Creoles alike and one of the most unique cultures in the united states for more information visit cyclezydeco.org more final four talk more baseball talk blake lavelle at 14 southeastern when we return after this time out on the jordy holtberg show on the game 1037 lafayette 1041 lake charles southwest louisiana sports station
0: jordy holtberg was draining three pointers with ease way before steph curry came on the scene or was even born. Now back to the Jordy Holberg show on the game. One Oh three, seven Lafayette and one Oh four, one Lake Charles Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: All right. Welcome back at 36 minutes after the hour. We continue the conversation about the final four baseball in the Southeastern conference. Um, nobody better, more knowledgeable than our good friend Blake Lavelle of, of at 14 Southeastern. Or is it Southeastern 14? I get as confused, Blake. Tell me the truth.
4: Am I saying well, this wrong it's, every time? It's, it's Southeastern 14, Jordan, but we always laugh about it because you know how it is on Twitter. It seems like everything, every username possible that you could think of is somehow owned on Twitter. So we were thinking, how do we, how do we do this? And we figured out, we'll just flip it. And I know that's confusing, but it was really the only option we had, so we decided to to go 14 Southeastern on Twitter, uh, but it is southeastern14.com. So. <laughs>
1: Southeastern com. Okay, I got it now forever. Um, all attention is going to be in New Orleans with the Final Four, but, man, I, you know, we got one SEC team still playing basketball. They're going for a championship tonight. Texas A&M takes on Xavier uh, in Madison Square Garden, and after tonight, <laughs> the NIT is no longer going to be in Madison Square Garden. I mean, that's that's just like what blasphemous, it
0: seems.
4: Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Uh, we're so used to it being there. And that's kind of, I think, one of the, you know, the, the largest appeal for the NIT is as the tournament. Because, again, we know that you're in a crowded space this time of year when it comes to, to playing this tournament, knowing that, you know, you're going up against the Final Four and all this stuff, especially this week. And I think part of the appeal of the NIT has been, because it has been at Madison Square Garden, and, you know that's still always a a huge thing to to be able to to play there. So yeah, it, it's not. I just don't think it's going to carry that same type of mystique, I guess, moving forward. Yeah. And I, I don't like that because again, it has been one of the reasons why you you watch the nit once it gets to this point. Um, so it, it'll feel a little bit different. Um, I don't love it. I feel like it waters it down a little bit. It Doesn't really make it feel special anymore. But tonight for Texas A and M could be special because I think uh, as this tournament is. Kind of played out. It started to me, you know, be pretty obvious. I think they're the best team left in this thing, and if they win it tonight. That'll be a nice message to the NCAA tournament committee. So, do you,
1: do you think if if now knowing what they know, do you think they would still say, "Hey, we'd rather be in the NCAA tournament. We may lose the first game, or would they rather be in the NIT and get a championship?"
4: Yeah, it's always to me a matter of, of motivation. I think you're still probably taking the NCAA did, but but I think what's been interesting about that is, and you and I, we've seen this over the years, there are just some teams that when they get left out of the NCAA tournament, I mean, it's just come out with no motivation at all, right. get beat first game in the NIT, and it's just yeah. like, it's just devastated. But I think you got to give T- Buzz Williams credit specifically, because man, to get this team, I mean, they're not just, they haven't just gone through the NIT. They've beaten everyone. Like, they've just dominated every close. team they've played at this point, pretty yeah. much, and um, so I think there's there's something to that. Obviously, it's a, one of those things where if you win the whole thing, you can certainly, I think, have that, that discussion about just, you know, hey, what was what was maybe better for us in the long term. But, you know, heck, it's like the way they were playing in the SEC tournament, the way they're playing now, that's probably a team that wins a game or two in the NCAA tournament just yeah. based on the, the playing style and those kind of things. So it's hard to know. But, yeah, this, this team should have been in. There's no doubt.
1: Yeah, no more. Uh, look back when i played you know you only got 48 teams in the ncaa tournament so it was hard to get in and that left a lot of really good teams out And man, the NIT was terrific for years and years. It's kind of it's gotten watered down now because of so many teams, 68 in the NCAA tournament. It's not nearly as good, but man, uh, it's kind of the end of a end of a long, long, long tradition that the NIT started before the NCAA tournament ever thought about starting. But anyway, um, all right, let's go to New Orleans, North Carolina going for its seventh title, Duke going for its sixth, all under Mike Krzyzewski, Villanova. Kansas each going for their fourth championships I mean there's blue all teams are blue uh, and they're blue bloods and these are blue bloods um you, no no beating around the bush here
4: no it's um again we always talk about kind of the upsets in the first couple rounds and that's what kind of the bigger appeal of the tournament is but you know as we know usually when you get to this point some of these teams like this find their way there somehow some way and um, yeah, I mean, this is quite a quite a group um, of these four teams. You know, I think the Kansas-Villanova matchup would have a little more buzz to it if Justin Moore's injury yeah. hadn't happened, and that's a that's just a big loss for, for Villanova, and I think that's going to probably impact them against Kansas. But that's a game of tempo. Um, I think, you know, Kansas wants to get up and down the floor. Villanova wants right. to really grind it out. And so I think that's going to be a big part of that, but I, I still think Kansas is probably the team to beat there just based on Moore's injury. Uh, he played such a huge part of that, that Villanova team. So uh, that's an interesting game. But, I mean, again, we know all attention is going to be yeah. on Duke and Carolina. And, um, yeah. You know, to me, Jordy, it's one of those things that you look out there and all the all the picks, everybody's picking Duke. Just everyone is, is all in on Duke. And I think the way they're playing right now, it's hard to you know ignore how well they're playing and the path that they've taken to get to this point. But I tell you, there is something to me about this North Carolina team and you want to talk about motivation. Duke certainly has their own motivation uh, for making sure it's not Coach Kay's last game. But North Carolina, um, I don't know that you've ever been as motivated as you are right now. If you want to heighten the rivalry to a point that um, you know maybe we've never seen before, uh, and I don't mean that just in terms of the play on the court, I mean in terms of the storyline, if you were to beat Coach K in his final game at Cameron, beat him in the Final Four to deny a national championship, um, boy, that would be something for the Duke-North Carolina rivalry. And I think North Carolina has a great chance to win this game. Um, I just think you look at the way they've played, how they've played to get to this point, um, I tell you, right now I may pick Carolina just because I think that they are in a really good spot. And, I mean, hats off to Hubert Davis. What a job he's done this year yeah. for that team.
1: It's remarkable. He is, uh, he is the afterthought amongst these, these great, great coaches. Um, I'd put Jay Wright against anybody. I think what he does at Villanova yeah. is, is remarkable, man. It is remarkable. We we'll see, uh, all gets underway on, um, on Saturday in the women's tournament. Um, you got South Carolina win. I mean Stanford's really good. Um you got UConn in this thing. Uh with Gino, what a, what a great game that was. I happened to catch the the last quarter and overtime and then second overtime. Uh that against North Carolina State, that was uh, or was it yeah, North Carolina State, that was remarkable. Um but you got that uh you got that powerhouse South Carolina. What do you think? <laughs>
4: I was going to say, I, it's one thing I've been talking about. is like, hey, we, I know we're all thinking this, this men's Final Four should be spectacular, but my goodness, this women's Final Four is, is just as, I, I think, appealing, obviously from a basketball standpoint. I know it's not going to get the attention necessarily, but, boy, this is a, this is a great Final Four for, for on the women's side. Like you said, you got Connecticut winning that huge game uh, against NC State, just a, a fantastic basketball game, playing Stanford, obviously a really good team. Uh, South Carolina Louisville was so intriguing just based on, uh, you know, how good both those teams are, and and I think that will be just another, you know, heavyweight-type fight between these two. Um, So, yeah, I think that that was... I'm I'm glad you brought that up, because I know it's not getting mentioned a lot this week, because of everything around, you know, the men's win and all that, but we... I always say, you know, sometimes once you get to the Final Four in the women's tournament, like, again, we talk about kind of how tournaments play out, There's usually less upset, I think, in the women's tournament than you see maybe in the men's, but... Yes. Boys, what a fantastic Final Four this is for the women. So I would highly suggest anyone, if you have nothing to do, even if you have something to do, cancel your plans. I'll tell you, this will be a great Final Four <laughs> tomorrow night with these women's games.
1: Friday night, the uh, the semifinals, and Sunday night, the championship. Uh, man, I'm telling you, it's I, I'm because my daughter loves basketball and she plays it, so I'm I'm more invested now in in women's basketball. I tell you what, they got some players, man. They got some <laughs> yeah. play- that Connecticut NC State game. I mean, bucket after bucket, all the pressure in the world. They're knocking down shots. I mean, it was it was sensational, it really was. Um, so that that'll be fun to watch. So, unfortunately, basketball is going to end on Monday. We've got uh, man, we don't have many more games left. So we got one in the NIT, we got three in the women's. So that's four and three in the We've got seven games total left in college basketball. We shall see. Um, how about Tennessee in baseball? Man, that coach, uh, it's been a steady progression year after year, and right now the the volunteers are rolling.
4: Yeah, they are, and obviously should be a great series here in Nashville this weekend between Tennessee and Vanderbilt, and I think Vanderbilt yep. obviously pretty disappointed by losing that series last weekend to South Carolina. But, you know, as we know, Tim Corbin uh, usually has his team ready, but, boy, slowing down this Tennessee team is going to be very hard to do when you look at what they've been doing. With the bats right now and and yeah there's no doubt they're the best team in the country at this point and um you know it's just it's another year in the sec it's like how you know as i said it's like you look at where tennessee is and you're thinking okay how are they going to be able to navigate this tough sec but you know to look at what they did against Ole miss and now again they have to another road trip here to vanderbilt to play them if they were to win this series too it's just uh it's going to be hard to slow this team down just based on where the bats are so, um, yeah, balls look really good. Arkansas looks good. Uh, the usual kind of group I think in the SEC, where you're going to have, what, probably five, six, seven teams maybe um, that you're going to look at going into those, um, you know, regional type games, regions, and you're right. going to say, boy, all of these teams are in a really good spot. Uh, and it's, a, it's it is it's another fantastic year I think, and it's going to be fun to kind of see how it plays out uh, in conference LSU. play here the rest of the way.
0: Yeah,
1: um, Blake Lavelle, uh, Southeastern fourteen with us, um, LSU. I, I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall after they got beat uh, by Florida uh, <laughs> on Friday. I, I'd love to have heard that speech or whatever took place because after that a, and ever since, uh, man, they've won three in a row and they are just crushing the baseball.
4: Yeah, and I think that's one. You know, I know there was a lot of frustration after certainly that A and M series and you're you're kind of just sitting there wondering, you know, what's what's this path look like moving forward. But like you said, really things turned around um I guess it would have been, yeah, last Saturday and whenever they did what they did that sixteen to four win against Florida and like you said, I mean they've just been crushing the ball since then. And and you would expect honestly that to continue. I think starting tonight against Auburn, um, you know, Auburn's another team that's just kind of yeah, you never really know what you're gonna get, but right. you know, I think they'll it's just one of those things where it, that's the SEC right now and um but yeah, I would I would expect that to continue, you know, probably for L S U, but I mean Auburn's kinda they've looked well at times, look pretty good at times this season. So I yeah. think that's um it's more interesting maybe than you would think. So that's just boy, that's the nature of this league right now. So yeah.
1: From if, if if you look at stats, Auburn's not great at anything. They're not bad at anything. Yeah. They're kind of in the middle, above average. They, they hit pretty well. Uh they're pretty good with their pitching in a team ERA. Um so I, yeah, you're right. Anything can happen. Um spring football practices are taking place around the around the conference. LSU certainly um with Brian Kelly getting things underway. Is there anything any reason why I shouldn't take the chalk in the SEC when it comes to football and pick Alabama to win the West and Georgia to win the East? Is there anything out there that could would would make me think a little bit more more about that?
4: I I wouldn't. I, again, that's, that's not a knock on every. Honestly, it's really not. And I always say that it's like it's not a knock on everyone else. It's just it's an appreciation for. Yeah. What those two can do, and I think that's that's the best way to put it. And I know not everyone exactly. will agree with that, but I think it's it's just an appreciation for the the constant success that, that we see there. And, and I think that's where, again, for teams to be able to knock those two teams off at this point, it's just going to be something where, to me, it's like prove it first, and the, and then I'll give you kind of the <laughs> the benefit yeah. of the doubt. But I, I think at this point. I mean, I think you'll look at it honestly. Jordy, it's the same conversation. A and M, you know, could they have another breakthrough? Sure, they could. You know, they could be the team maybe that's right in there. Um, I think on the east side, boy, I, I mean, to me, it's probably more like Kentucky or, or even Tennessee maybe breaking through versus a Florida. I just think you know, I don't really know what they expect with Florida to be honest with you. Right. Um, right. So I think it's yeah, it's Alabama, Georgia, one A, one B, and I think it's. Take your pick of the rest of that group. Even Arkansas, I think, is gonna be interesting next season next yeah.
1: season too. So I gotta look at who the quarterbacks are. If they got a good one, you got a shot.
4: Uh if you don't, <laughs> you right. got no shot.
1: Right. I mean, it's just the way it goes. Uh we shall see. All right, uh Blake Lavelle, you're terrific. Thank you so much.
4: Um, who you got winning it all? You got the Carolina? I honestly, maybe I'm just doing this to be different, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb. I'm gonna say Carolina. I think Carolina just they, they've been so impressive to me. Uh, I'm probably the only one that's gonna say that coming out of this, but I don't okay. know. There's just something about this team. Watching them, I think they've they've got it, and maybe we'll see if they can do it.
1: Just, can I just be biased? I, I just don't like Kansas at all. So anybody other than Kansas, please win the darn thing. I don't want Bill Self with this lifetime go. contract with all the things that are still out there with that program. No thank you.
4: Yeah. I think the, the best bet is probably the Duke Carolina winners, my opinion. I think whoever wins that one's probably in a pretty good spot to win it all.
1: So all right. Who who would you uh who would you take if you had the number one pick in the NBA draft? Would you take Holmgren from Gonzaga? Would you take uh Carroll from Duke or would you take uh Jabari Smith from
4: Auburn? Yeah, that's a great, great question. I would probably I think NBA wise, I, I would still take Jabari Smith and that's not just being that. SEC bias. I just think that the the type of skill set he has and how it's gonna translate, I just feel like it's it's there, even though there's a little bit more to it, but Vancaro to me not far behind. I think they're they're pretty close at this point.
1: Thank you so much, man. Enjoy the final four for the women and the men. Enjoy the NIT tonight and enjoy the baseball all weekend. You, you, you guys, you can't miss anything. You got to cover it
4: all. Got a lot to do. Yeah, we do. The you. Thanks as always for having me on. Thank you. All right.
1: Blake Lavelle, 14 Southeastern. Uh, Southeastern 14. I screwed it up again. South At Southeastern 14. All right. There you go. Uh, that brought to you by EONS, Smarter Body Contouring. It's the first robotic touchless laser body contouring device for non-invasive permanent fat loss. It's um, Eon is more effective. Eon is more efficient. Eon is more comfortable. You don't feel a thing, but a cool, cool breeze on the target areas. And Eon is just smarter body contouring and they can prove it. Eon of Lafayette, right there in River Ranch. Soon to be Eon of Baton Rouge, off of Corporate Boulevard. Um, give them a call. Look them up. E O N. Just type in Eon. E O N. Tara Laparee and her staff—they'll take great care of you. I did it. It's working for me. I'm going to lose two inches in my waist. <laughs> How about that? By doing nothing. I love it. Eon of Lafayette. All right, back to wrap up hour number one. Set the stage for hour number two. The Jordan Show on. Uh, the game 1037 Lafayette 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
0: Jordy Holtenberg is known far and wide as the blonde bomber for the perfectly feathered golden mane he rocked back in the day at LSU. Just let, your soul go. Just let it shine may not be as golden or as long but Jordy is still making a name for himself. Back to more of the Jordy Holtberg show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: Ooh, if I weren't going to be in New Orleans for the final four Saturday, I would go to this, the Acadiana Paul Boy Festival. This Saturday at Park Sans Souci in downtown Lafayette, there'll be over 25 vendors selling some of the best Paul Boys Acadiana has to offer. Oh my gosh! In addition to the Great Eats and the poor Boy Eating Contest, there'll be uh, refreshing beverages, unique and one-of-a-kind arts and crafts, activities for the kids, and live entertainment. For more information, go visit Acadiana com. man does that sound good Hour number two is going to be good we'll talk saints with chris Dunnels. we'll talk nfl with frank schwab it's all coming your way Hour number two the Jordy helpert show on the game um on 1037 lafayette 1041 lake charles southwest louisiana sports station brought to you by dc's little capital exxon we'll be right back
0: Live and local. This is the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone is a Saints touchdown. Streaming live on 1037 The Game Mobile app and online at 1037TheGame.com. It is a Saints touchdown! This is the Jordy Holtberg Show. Hey baby! We're gonna Call us up at 337-706-0111. I like this kind of party. Now, here's your host, Jordy Holberg.
1: It's hour number two of two, and away we go. Brought to you by ShopRite Tobacco Plus Discount Outlets. There are 60 of them in southern and central Louisiana. Oh, man, I tell you what. Uh, their mission, very simply, to make sure you leave one of their stores with a smile on your face and more money in your pocket, because you're going to save. Not only um, uh, do they have every type of product and every type of thing that you could ever imagine, but it's all at a great, great price. The restrooms are clean and spacious. The food is always fresh, always hot. So whether you need a, um, uh, a snack, um, whether you need some fine wines and spirits or whether you just need to make a pit stop uh ShopRite tobacco plus discount outlets is ready to serve you. We got LSU baseball tonight. The first of three against the Auburn Tigers first pitch tonight, 6 PM right here on the game. So be sure to tune that in. Major League Baseball right around the corner. Uh, We're getting ready to turn the calendar to April. Soon we'll have the first pitch of play ball and they start playing for real. We've got uh, the NIT championship tonight. Texas A&M, the lone SEC men's team still playing basketball. They'll take on Xavier at Madison Square Garden. Tomorrow starts the women's final four. One SEC See women's teams still around playing, and that is um South Carolina. They'll take on Louisville. In the other semifinal, it will be the reigning champion Stanford versus Gino Ariema and Yukon. And then the men take center stage on Saturday in New Orleans. First semifinal, Kansas versus Villanova. Here's head coach Bill Self. Did he think? getting to the final four when when we started rolling the balls out in uh in
0: you know no october did he think that this was a possibility oh yeah i've I've thought all along that this was a possibility but i've also thought all along that that the margin for error wasn't such where we could uh get loose and and have it be a probability i i don't know i think these guys have stayed focused they've eliminated distractions for the most part all year long and they do play for each other. And so uh, when we play the way that I think that we're capable of play, capable of playing, I I, I I have total faith that we can play very well.
1: God, I don't like Kansas. All right. I'm just going to get it out of the way. Uh, I do like Villanova. I do like Colin Gillespie. Uh, I think he's a great guard. I like Jermaine Samuels and Eric Dixon. The big news of course is Justin Moore. One of their top players is out. I will not, be available in any way, shape, or form. Jay Wright uh, going for his fourth, na- going for Villanova's fourth national championship. He's won a couple. Um, here's Jay, Jay Wright. Uh, does the game plan
2: change with Justin Moore out? It, it's definitely going to impact our game plan offensively. I, he's again. I want to balance. And I want to be truthful in balancing that he he's such a huge part of everything we do. So it's going to impact not having him on the floor, obviously. But we do have a week here to adjust what we do without him, which is what's unique about a final four. And and you only have to play two games if you're really fortunate. You know, you, you, it kind of gives you. It's it's almost like a bowl game in football. It does give you a chance to adjust. We have you know we have four days of we're, we're taking. We took off yesterday, we have five days of practice that we can adjust things and become comfortable, uh, but we, it's definitely going to change our game plan offensively.
1: They're still going to do the same stuff. They really sun- fundamentally sound defensively. They got guard play. They knock down free throws better than any team in the history of college basketball. Don't sell Villanova short, just yet that's the first semifinal the second of course is the the battle of tobacco road it's the greatest rivalry in college basketball no ifs ands maybe it's about it it's duke and north carolina bill self of kansas has won a national championship um jay wright villanova has won the national championships mike sheshevsky duke has won six national championships and here's a guy who um won one as an assistant coach But now he's sitting in the main seat. Hubert Davis, the former Tar Heel, played in the NBA for a dozen years, sat on the bench with Roy Williams for all these years, and now he's the head coach. Um, So, Hubert, how does it make you feel going to the Final Four as the head coach?
0: It was really emotional towards the end of the game when we can finally settle in and realize that, you know these guys are going to a final four it was something that I just I just desperately wanted for them you know this is probably the nervous most nervous that I was before the game because I just I really wanted them to go to the final four and it's something that we had talked about at the beginning of the season and in the huddle I, I told them that it's, it's it's not a hope it's not a dream anymore it's a reality And for these guys to have this this experience to be able to go to the Final Four brings so much joy to my heart.
1: Awesome. Um, Coach K was the head coach at Duke. His teams were, he coached against Hubert Davis, when Hubert was playing for Dean Smith and and the Tar Heels. Uh, These two teams have met so many times and so many big moments in, in ACC basketball history, but they've never played one another in the NCAA tournament. Here's Coach K talking about the
2: historic matchup that will take place Saturday evening. I haven't looked at it as us against Carolina. I've looked at us, we're playing in the Final Four. So the history of that, I've, I've not paid any attention to. But in answer to your question, I'll pay attention to it right now. Usually we've been high seeds, if we're in. And if you're in a high seed, they've tried to put you know, conference teams in where you wouldn't meet until the end. And so the closest we came was in 91 really where we were both in the final four and Kansas and Carolina played the game before we played Vegas or else we would have either we both were going to be eliminated one or you know you had a chance to play for uh, the national championship so that was the close Yeah, you know, then it would have been for the for everything that would have been something but uh but yeah I guess it just works out that way um Both of
1: these teams, of course, Carolina beat Duke in Coach Krzyzewski's final game at Cameron Indoor Stadium. Uh, That kind of jettisoned them and they've been on a roll. Um, Duke, you know, kind of took a step back and now they've been on a roll. James, if we could add one more, if you can punch it up. um, I I just want to get Coach K's opinion on uh, what I think is a very important question. Is it an advantage? for each team to already
2: know one another as well as they do now it, it personnel wise i think it's that's a but it, it's an advantage equal you, you know you know one of the things with the ncaa tournament when you play the second game you win on thursday or friday and you play saturday or sunday whichever weekend it is including this one uh except it's saturday monday um uh, Learning personnel quickly in the second game is is sometimes a challenge, you know, uh, for the players to be instinctive. Um, Whether we played them, and we have, and they've played us, you have four or five days to learn personnel. And so what we have to do is learn who they are now, not who they were here or definitely who they were in Chapel Hill. It's going to be fun it's going to be fun um even if you don't
1: have a ticket head on down to new orleans well you, you're gonna you talk about c and b scene uh, and all kinds of activities uh but anyway um there's our final four coverage and we'll have more of it tomorrow george Lynch, the former north carolina Tar Heel who uh played for dean smith they played in the Superdome. That was uh, the Chris Webber of Michigan, the Fab Four, the, the timeout when they didn't have a timeout. Uh, and, and North Carolina cut down the nets. We'll have George Lynch on tomorrow from the Tar Heel perspective of things. But we'll take a timeout here. Time to get back and talk about the NFL and the New Orleans Saints. Chris Dunnels will join us after this timeout on the Jordan Helpert Show. On the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's, Sports Station.
0: Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. March 31st, 1996. In the first time in Major League Baseball history, the regular season opens in the month of March as the Seattle Mariners beat the Chicago White Sox 3-2 in 12 innings at the Kingdome in Seattle. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: Hi, right, welcome back. Time to talk a little New Orleans Saints football because it never ceases to amaze us. Things happening all the time. Christopher Donalds covers the Saints for Canal Street Chronicles of SB Nation, a friend of our program, and um, thankful to get him. Chris, how you doing, my friend? How's, how's life treating you? Life is all right,
5: man. Just trying to keep up with another week of crazy NFL news. Yeah. All right. I'm with it.
1: Okay. So it seems obvious to me. Tell me why it's not. Um, Malcolm Jenkins retires after 13 years, uh, Matthews in Baton Rouge to, to watch LSU play. He and Chauncey Gardner Johnson are texting, tweeting back and forth, back and forth. Seems like a perfect fit to me. Bring the honey badger back home to his hometown of new Orleans and play for the saints.
5: Makes sense to me should it i think it makes sense to everyone in the world so far maybe a sign from same general manager mickey loomis
3: yeah. uh,
5: there's an obvious fit on the team there's an obvious fit with the player and the community in the area um, yeah. jersey sales for instance would automatically increase yeah uh, so there's money to be had there are uh needs on the football field so hopefully it's just a matter of time and the New Orleans Saints were giving Malcolm Jenkins the respect he deserves of not immediately replacing him on the roster the day after he retires.
1: God, I would love to see the honey bags. I, th- I still think he can play. I, I love his game. I-, I like it a lot um, for sure. All right. Um, let's see. Since last we spoke, what uh, James Winston signed. Andy Dalton is his backup. And Taysom Hill, quarterback no longer. They finally are listening to me because I've been saying it forever in a day that Taysom Hill should be would I think would be a terrific tight end and they're going to try him there what do you think of that move
5: I think it's like you said long overdue Uh, I think the Taysom Hill at quarterback experiment uh, is thankfully put to bed but I don't think that means we have seen the last of Taysom Hill under center for the New Orleans Saints I think the occasional quarterback power play might still be on the table uh, but the Saints just have a glaring hole at tight end and the the fit seems so obvious. So giving Tay some primary tight end snaps seems like a good decision all around.
1: I, he's just too good of an athlete. Um, I, you know, with Alvin Kamara, if he's, if he's going to play uh, a full set, who knows what's going to happen there, but you don't need to hold blocks very long with that guy. So I, I don't think he needs to bulk up that much. If at all, I, I want him to be that mismatch to two, two, quick for linebackers too strong and and big for secondary uh you know cornerbacks and safeties i think he's a there's no reason he can't be really really good at that position i yeah. really believe it
5: absolutely i mean when we talk about a tight end we're not necessarily talking about the josh hill garrett griffin you know only right. an inline blocker Think right. more along the lines of Jimmy Graham, of a player who's more of a wide receiver who can line up wide and then who can chip opposing defensive ends or linebackers on the edge of the line occasionally. He's not going to be asked to engage Von Millers of the world you know, for four or five seconds in pass protection. He's going to be there to provide a little chip block here or there and yeah. then go out and catch some passes.
1: Travis Kelsey, I mean, come on. All he's got to do is just get that jug. He's got to catch balls all day, every day. Night and day, and work with Jameis Winston. Uh, I like it. Did you Did you like the Andy Dalton move?
5: It's safe, if unexciting. I will say yeah. that. I think it's yeah. probably a wash uh, as it relates between Dalton or a player like Trevor Simeon. Uh, but having a veteran back there holding the clipboard, uh, being that next man up in the event that Jameis Winston were to get hurt, because let's not forget he's coming back from, you know, season-ending knee injuries. Yeah. So. We're all assuming, and hopefully rightfully so, that he's going to be 100% by week one. And by all accounts, he's going to be. But if something happens and he's not ready for week one or if he re-injures himself or has a new injury, Taysom Hill was not going to be the guy, and let's all cross our fingers and hope that it's not going to be Ian Book either. So it had to be someone. So why not Andy Dalton?
1: (laughs) Okay, with the signing of Andy Dalton, that sent a message to me. Maybe I'm crazy, but that tells me the Saints aren't really enamored with any of these quarterbacks, and so they're not going to draft a quarterback? Or am I wrong in that front, in that assumption?
5: I think it's not necessarily a terrible assumption to make, but I think the Saints are going to do everything they can Uh, Maybe not at wide receiver, apparently, but to address as much as they can on the roster in free agency. So that way they can attack the draft without needing to draft a particular player with their first pick at 18 Mm -hmm. overall.
1: Okay got to be a wide receiver or is it an offensive tackle or what do you think what what would you do you're the brain trust you're you are the gm of the new orleans saints franchise you look at the roster you're saying okay we we have a hole here we have a hole here we got a hole so what would you do with the first pick
5: well what i would do is i would immediately sign players like jarvis landry odell beckham jr while we're talking about former lsu tigers Okay. Uh, there are plenty of tackles on the market. If you believe James Hurst can be the you know the starting left guard in place of Teron Armstead, you still need probably another body on the left side of the offensive line. So sign that, and that way you can go into the draft just saying, who's the best player at this position? Because if you come in saying, I have to get a wide receiver at 18, but there's been a run of receivers in front of you, then you're going to be left reaching or maybe trying to trade back and finding a trade partner, even if there might not be one available. So instead do as much as you can in free agency to address the roster. That way you can go in kind of open-minded into the first round of the 2022 NFL draft.
1: Do the Saints have enough money to sign someone like Terran Matthew and like Jarvis Landry?
5: Uh, The salary cap is a myth in New Orleans. So (laughs) you are a true Saints fan uh, if you know that. The Saints have enough money to do anything they want, assuming the players who they're willing to sign are willing to take kind of multiple ghost year type deals. So Terrain Matthews kind of on the back end of his career. So a, a two to three year deal is probably all he would sign anyway. So adding on another two or three ghost years to spread out a cap hit would certainly be doable. Uh, same for a player like Jarvis Landry or Odell Beckham Jr. coming off of injury.
1: Chris Dunnels of Canal Street Chronicles. Um, Bruce Arians retire. So the question is, who has the best head coach in the NFC South now? That's a tough one. A good
5: question, right? Uh, yeah. You can make a case for basically everyone. Surprisingly, uh, Carolina Panthers' quote uh, coach Matt Rule is now the longest tenured coach in the division <laughs> yes. at this point. Yes. Uh, so big shock and, and a lot of turnover. Uh, but Dennis Allen went one and zero. Let's all pretend like his time as head coach of the Raiders just didn't happen. <laughs> didn't and happen, let's no, just exist. focus what? on his one Raiders, game who? coaching no. the Tampa Bay Buccaneers <laughs> last season. And let's say Dennis Allen is the best coach in the NFC South.
1: That is, uh, I mean, think about how things have, have turned over and changed. I mean, my goodness gracious. Um, what's the pecking order in the South? I guess with, because of, Tom Brady and that team, you got you got to favor Tampa Bay, right? But after that, um, where do you have the Saints if you had to pick here and now?
5: So I'm not I'm not asking this rhetorically. I want your your answer. Why do you say the Buccaneers over the Saints?
1: Um, proven quarterback. Um, I like their middle linebacker. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, for some reason, I just. And the uncertainty of Alvin Kamara, and what's going to happen there uh, with him and his legal the legal thing? Um, so maybe, maybe by a by a smidge, I, I'd favor Tampa Bay. But you tell me why why I shouldn't.
5: The Buccaneers only finished four games better than the Saints last season, and the Saints swept the Bucks in their two games with a combination of Taysom Hill, Trevor Simeon, and Jameis Winston for a quarter and a half in those two games. So. If you assume you're going to have a full season of Jameis Winston, there's no reason to think the Saints couldn't close that four-game gap because they were yeah. able to do that with a you know, a game of Ian Book at starting quarterback, for instance. So you take those kind of games out. You take out the anomalies like the Carolina Panthers game when the Saints yeah. were out so many head coaches and assistant coaches. Right. Uh, and it's easy to say that assuming Jameis Winston was healthy all of last season, do the Bucks still win the NFC South? I'm not sure the answer to that. Is yeah, yes.
1: uh, you make a good point. Um, I like listening. I, I can I can be coached. Um, okay, uh, I, I, I like it. I like the Saints' defense. Um, got some holes to fill there, but uh, I like the Saints' defense. And we, uh, tell me, they're, they're going to find somebody. They need two two receivers. That, Traquan Quan Smith resigning him. Did that surprise you?
5: Unfortunately, no, just because of some of the lack of other options that were there and the Saints' familiarity with him and what Traquan can do as a blocker. Traquan's the kind of player, though, who if he's asked to be a number two next to Michael Thomas, it's just not going to happen. But if he's number four on the depth chart, he's a more than serviceable number four who can block downfield, who can stretch the field for Jameis Winston's arm, and that's the role he can thrive in. But that means you still need to put in one or two players in front of him and behind yeah. michael thomas
1: i'm with you uh, if let's just hypothetically uh, l- let's just say that the saints are number 18 and not one wide receiver has come off the board out of all this grouping of wide receivers who who would fit best with the quarterback and as a number two to michael thomas
5: well, this might upset some LSU fans, but Alabama wide receivers have had a pretty good history recently in the uh, NFL. Whether yes. it's Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, you know, C.D. Lane, yeah. whoever you want to talk about. Uh, so if knee injuries didn't derail the back end of his season, then Jameson Williams is probably at top 10, maybe top 5 picks this year. Yeah. So if he's there at 18 and the Saints Take still need to address the position, I would be more than happy to grab him in the first
1: round. Take him. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, after wide receiver, what's the next big position of need you think the Saints need to address from a draft perspective to bring, bring in
5: depth? Again, that, that really depends on what they do in free agency, but assuming the roster just is what it is come the draft time, what it is now, then – Either interior offensive line or safety, obviously making up okay. for the loss of either Teron Armstead or Malcolm Jenkins. Uh, okay. I'd like to see the Saints add a player like Teron Matthew or P.J. Williams at safety, wow. in which case probably tackle, uh, offensive tackle, takes that number two spot behind wide receiver for me. But there's also a, a very strong argument to be made that a quarterback, let's pretend no quarterbacks get taken in the first 17 picks. Hmm that if the Saints have their pick of quarterback of the future, maybe they should grab that, and that's even more important than wide receiver, arguably.
1: Wow. Okay. They need a running back, don't they?
5: They do, uh, because Tony Jones Jr., while there was a preseason hype train for him last year, uh, he showed in, in limited bursts that he's probably not going to be an answer for six to eight games if Alvin Kamara indeed gets suspended. The Saints have Mark Ingram back, but He's in the twilight of his career, so adding another running back would be wise. But there are plenty of cheap veteran options at running back in free agency right now. Melvin Gordon, Marlon Mack, and others. So I think the Saints are going to wait till most of those veterans sign elsewhere, and then scoop up something like a David Johnson for cheap.
1: Awesome, awesome. Um, Are you a hoops fan? I am. All right, Uh, who who you got uh, between Kansas and Villanova? Who you picking?
5: What's my heart say? What do I think is going to happen? Might be different. Uh, but I'll say I have money on Villanova.
1: Okay. Um, Dukey and Carolina. Uh,
5: my heart, I, I have too many family members who went to UNC. So that means I have to always pull against <laughs> Duke, uh, especially in a matchup like this. So uh, sorry, Duke.
1: All right. So who cuts down the Nets Monday night?
5: I don't know. I, I, I don't. <laughs> okay, I, I, my bracket had Villanova the whole way. Uh, that's fair. Hopefully that's it. the case. Um, I'm going to tell you But what. at this point, it's oh. been such a crazy March that nothing would surprise me at this point.
1: Yeah. Uh, Jay Wright's one hell of a coach, man. He's really good. Chris, you're, you're a hell of an analyst for the New Orleans Saints, and I greatly appreciate your time, man. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the hoops. And uh, keep us in the loop when, when you hear things happening with the Saints. So we, we'd love to hear from you.
5: Definitely take it
1: easy, man. Talk soon. All right, buddy. You take care. It's Chris Dunnels of Canal Street Chronicles. Do you want to see some of the most elite dunkers and exceptional ball handlers on the planet? The world-famous Harlem Globe Trotters are returning to the Cajun Dome Tuesday, April the 5th. You can see them live. The game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, is giving away a four-pack of tickets for the family-friendly show. So how do you win? Well, you simply text TROTTER, T-R-O-T-T-E-R, to 68683 to win tickets to see the Trotters. Once again, text TROTTER to 68683. You yeah, could win a family four pack of tickets to see the Harlem Globe Trotters live at the Cajun Dome, courtesy of Southwest Louisiana's sports station. We heard the local angle of the NFL and the Saints. We'll hear the national level uh, with the Schwab. Frank Schwab from Yahoo Sports when we return to the Jordy Hulpert Show here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles.
0: The Jordy Holberg Show prides itself on settling for nothing less than the best.
6: This thing has a variety of nauseating aspects to it.
0: Jordy has the best takes, the best guests, and let's be honest, the best nickname. The Blonde Bomber is cool as hell. I agree. All right, let's play ball. Back to only the best on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: All right, welcome back. 35 minutes after the hour on this last day of the month of March no fooling tomorrow's april fools but anyway it's been a while he's been on vacation he's been doing this that and the other I've, I've missed him um let's talk some more nfl talk with uh the schwab frank schwab from yahoo sports good afternoon sir it's great to be back with you man how are you
6: I- i'm doing good i just noticed uh being on the zoom with you are you guys back in the studio now this is uh it's pretty i hope oh,
1: so i got uh, oh i got uh oh, i got, got, got high tech stuff set up go. here frank okay. all right I Got to get that stadium backdrop like you, but uh, man,
6: yeah, I I sell tickets to this thing outside. You can find them (laughs) on StubHub, it's great. All
1: right, let's get to the real crux of the matter who you got winning the whole thing Monday night?
6: I I do like Kansas, I worry I'm sleeping a little bit on Duke. And I wrote about this a week ago, and I wish I'd followed through. It's it's one of those dumb things where I I write about something and I don't do it myself. Where I kind of said, Look, Duke has four first-round picks on their roster that are going to be first-round picks in general. Right. They have a Hall of Fame coach and won the ACC regular title. They're 14-1 to 1 to win it all. What are we doing here? Like, this is... the And I didn't do it. I, I picked Texas Tech. I picked Texas Tech to beat them. I, even after writing on that. So, I worry I'm overlooking Duke a little bit, but I just think Kansas has been... The most consistent team from from beginning to end. Uh, they weren't great all season, but they're good. And I think I think Kansas beats Duke uh, out there in your neck of the woods. Uh,
1: Cinderella story, man. I I always like you. I always look at who's got the most pros, who's yeah, got the pro I, players. Look, I that's mean, what if I look at.
6: If all you're doing to analyze a game is saying which team has the best talent, you're probably gonna be okay at the end of the day. Yeah. You know,
1: Not, uh, well, unless like me, I pick Kentucky to win it all, and uh, you know, I, they, I
6: picked Auburn. They, they got a little they bit of a regret. bunch Little they got of, a bunch. Right all right,
1: um, I'm not a fan of Kansas. I'm sorry, I just can't do it. I,
6: it's I it's a put... little strange. They're they've been a strange team all season, and that yeah. we're used to Kansas having like this first round pick and this lottery pick and this McDonald's All American, and this team isn't like that. But they've just been steady all year. Yeah. And I, I mean, maybe it's it's weird that this might be the second team to just kill off a title.
1: The only coach with with. Pending um, sanctions from the NCAA investigate gets a lifetime contract. It's unbelievable. <laughs> it Frank, is,
6: it I want is. that gig. Will Wade didn't get that,
1: huh? No, Maybe. he, sure did. No, he just no. sure did not. He doesn't so. have enough, not enough skins on the wall, Will. No, you gotta, no, no. Yeah, not enough. that's how that goes. All right. Um, Bruce Arians retires, heading to the front office. To, uh, where'd this come from? I Were you surprised? Not surprised? What?
6: uh very surprised i do wonder look there were rumblings that him and brady weren't exactly getting along at the end of last year okay i don't know that this has anything to do with that but it's it's kind of you can put two and two together right like bruce Aries just doesn't want maybe he doesn't want to coach brady anymore maybe brady doesn't want to be coached by arians and i don't know i'm just saying it is ironic. It's all you're right. It's all I mean, it's
1: ironic. Brady comes back, area. It's okay. Time to go.
6: Yeah, time time, to, time go. to go. Time to go. And end up pitching this story that he just wanted to leave it in good hands with Todd Bowles. Okay, maybe, but I i don't know. I, I think that there might be a little bit more to that. But whatever happened, happened. Bruce Arians, I, th- I think a bucks would be just fine. I think, I think Todd Bowles is a heck of a football coach. Yeah. I yeah. know his, you know, I mean, his previous stops as a head coach haven't gone great, but. I like the Jets, the Jets are the Jets. It's almost like you can't even, yeah. you can't, even you can't even judge them. Like it's like the, that organization is so bad, that yeah. whatever. And they are set up really well. He's done a heck of a job. Arians has been very hands off the last couple of years, anyway. Just kind of delegating everything. So I don't mm-hmm. think there's a huge culture shift here. I think Bucks will be just fine. And Bruce Arians heads off into what I guess is retirement. Uh, yeah, put it like for a guy who didn't get his first head coaching job till he was sixty, I believe. He Crazy. had a heck of a run. He a, sure did.
1: All right, let me ask you this question. If we say that bowls to the New York Jets, you can't win there. Dennis Allen was a coach for the LA, for the right. for the Oakland Raiders, and they were pitiful at that point. He was doomed to fail. So if you take that into the equation, which team has the best coach in the NFC South?
6: Wow, and I did see a crazy stat that Matt Rule, who was coaching Bailey in 2019, <laughs> has the longest tenure at Ed yes, Justice. yes. I I I probably go with Todd Bowles. I guess I, I mean it's hard. It's it's hard because all of them like they you know I mean there's a lot of questions on each of the four guys. Yeah. Yeah. In different parts of their career, even Arthur Smith, and I, but I, I think Allen Allen's a great example of. You know, a guy who gets his first, and and look, if you're Dennis Allen, I don't know how old he was. I can't remember when he took Mm -hmm. the Raiders job, but you don't turn it down. No, you never know. There's only 32 of them. Yeah, Yeah. right. You're not, it's hard to turn that down when they come knocking. So he takes a job in a terrible situation and your ego gets involved too. And I'm sure Dennis Allen and anybody else who's coached Raiders the past two decades has said, I can turn this thing around. We will do it. And he couldn't. And that really like sets him back as a head coach, but I'm sure that he has learned from what he, he probably screwed up some things up. It was his first head coaching job. And now, you know, he went in a great situation where he's under Sean Payton can learn a lot of stuff. He's more prepared for a second job organizationally. Hopefully they're better, better off than, than the Raiders and the Dennis Allen era first time. So I think Dennis Allen was really set up. Maybe not this year. I did, Look, I'm not high in your Saints this year, Jordy. I'm sorry, but yeah. I think long-term I, I think they'll be just fine. They, they needed a year where it's just okay. We got to get the cap under control. Let's get this done. But there's still a lot of a lot of pieces there, and I think are going to be fine long term. Maybe not just this year.
1: All right, Frank Schwab, Yahoo Sports. The NFL schedule has yet to be released. The draft is still weeks away, but you know these these sports books, they're already coming out with the the win the win totals uh, for teams. And I'm very high on the Buffalo Bills. They topped the AFC at 11 and a half tampa bay is at 11 and a half you in agreement with that
6: i think so i think i i mean it's it's hard to take the over because those are hosts so high but ooh, yeah you know i mean i, I the the bills what's interesting because the patriots are probably going to be good I, I they're gonna be a tough out at least mm-hmm. often should should be improved right like they should be better yeah the jets were really really young last year maybe they take a step forward maybe it's not so easy for the bills in the afc so i'm not saying they're not going to win it but when you're talking about I need to get to 12 wins to cash that bet, well, may, may, that's tough. Uh, it's gonna be tough because they're 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 not some easy outs in the AFC East anymore. Right. So I wonder, I wonder how high they're gonna go. And the AFC as a whole, it's just gonna be brutal. I saw you know win totals came out. I saw that three different AFC West teams are a 10. Uh, yep. I mean that is. Yep. That that's says crazy. Something. And the fourth team that's not a 10 was a playoff team last year that added Devonte Adams and Chandler Jones. Like that. That tells you how good the AFC West is. So yeah, I, you know I love looking through those win totals. I did. I did see the Saints one. Did you? Did you, did you uh, like I didn't Saints go. Were?
1: I didn't go down that low.
6: <laughs> they were. I was surprised actually. They were seven and a half. Uh, seven. And I was like, I, I, I'll be honest. I took the under. I already but, did. Yeah, that was okay. one of the few. I I took the Steelers over. I think I took. I think I took okay. the Chargers over because I can't. I'm a sucker for the Chargers. But with the Saints, I, I just don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm just being so pessimistic. And you could talk me into the Saints going over seven and a half, but I don't know that I see it. It would have to be just one of those defense top yeah. five in the league and the offense does enough and they, they just and what's, out wins
1: what's amazing the Saints at seven and a half second in the south I mean they're better than oh. the Panthers and better than the Falcons oh, and that's the that's thing the and that's the vision yeah
6: and that's the thing about I mean when you were to take like me taking the under on the Saints you do have to account for the fact that the Atlanta Falcons might be the worst team in football. I yep. mean, they really, really might like, that's a bad team right now yep. and Carolina yep. might not be that much better either. So you're talking about four games against those two teams. Well, they might, they could, you know, they could be a bad football team to four and Oh, against those two teams. Like that's just, yeah. that's kind of the state of the NFC right now. It's pretty crazy to me how it's shifted.
1: And to your point, AFC West: Chiefs 10 and a half, Chargers, Broncos at ten, Raiders oh, at eight and a half. What 100%. you live in? You live in Denver. Um, Russell Wilson coming over. What's the what's the vibe in in the Mile High City?
6: Oh, I think a ton of excitement. Just because, again, I mean, Denver had been on this quarterback carousel forever, and it's just with these bad band aids. Everybody knew it wasn't going to work. Joe Flacco yeah. was never going to be a guy. And, yeah. and Case Keenum and, and Drew Locke and all these guys, they were never going to be worthy successors of Peyton Manning. And I think the Peyton Manning effect is still around here where you, you look at it and saying, well, we got a guy who's in his 30s, and he still should have some good years left, and Peyton Manning rejuvenated this franchise. Why can't Russell Wilson do the same thing? Yeah. And I think he can. I'm fully on board with Russell Wilson. I know a I lot of people too. were down on him last year. I, I think that was 100% injury related. He suffered a bad finger injury. He rushed back. He wasn't ready. Kudos to him for his toughness and coming back, but he wasn't mm-hmm. ready. But anybody who's like dumping on Russell Wilson now saying, "Oh, he looked terrible late last season." Yeah, oh, okay, he came back from finger surgery like 4 weeks before they said he was. So I I think he's going to be just just fine and I still think he's a top 7-8 quarterback in the NFL, maybe even higher than that.
1: What has been the biggest surprise to you since the end of the the Super Bowl and now through all this free agency period? Has it been and, and trading of quarterbacks and all? Is, is there one thing that really has stood out to you?
6: I, I mean, there's so many because yeah. I, I think we have to start with just the fact that what's the biggest surprise to me is the offseason itself. I've never seen an offseason like this. Like it's. It's unbelievable. I, I, we always talk about this is the craziest season. This is the craziest tournament. Right. This is the craziest offseason. This right. really is the craziest NFL offseason. We've never seen movement like this, especially with stars and yeah. quarterbacks. I think the one that stands out in my mind, I, I th- it's probably two that, that came to mind right away. One of them is Green Bay trading away Devontae Adams because – Yes. I mean, Aaron Rodgers <laughs> comes back and you're like, okay, they're just going to load up and do the Saints thing where you kind of kick the can down the road on the camera. Right. It's going to kill him right. someday. but. All of a sudden they trade Devontae Adams, they got nothing left. Nothing. Like that receiver room is one of the worst. It might be the worst. It might be the worst. It might be. And how do you do that when you just brought back an MVP quarterback and trying to chase the Super Bowl in a weak NFC? I don't get that. I'm
1: so glad you said that.
6: that yeah. That's then,
1: mind-boggling. Yeah. I
6: just think the other one almost has to be Deshaun Watson. And I, I mean I I get it. Like he's allowed to play. And if he's allowed to play, there's gonna be teams competing for him. And they're going to give him whatever he wants basically, because he has some leverage. But yeah. that contract is going to change the game for a long time. I mean, there's going to be so many quarterbacks who are going to say, look, I don't have 22 civil suits. I'm Probably just as good as Deshaun Watson, if not better. I want more money than he got. I want it all guaranteed. I think it changes the entire landscape of the quarterback situation wow. for years and years and years. Yeah. And I get it. I I, I can't. I, what are you going to do? I I, I think it's. You know some people say like oh how could cleveland have gotten Deshaun watson well he's what are we going to do bar him for life like if you do that's fine i guess but once you say okay deshaun Watson's going to play and he might get suspended for a little bit and here's here's the terms of engagement well then quarter teams are going to compete for his services and they're going to give him a big contract and this is what happened but it's going to throw off the quarterback market for a really really long time
1: <laughs> you're you're right frank schwab yahoo sports brilliant um okay I, I... I don't. I don't get the league sometimes. I understand the the new. Um, how do you handle overtime? Okay. Mm-hmm. Why is it just in the playoffs? Why Why don't they do it the whole year? Well, what, what, what is the What is the re- There's got to be a logical reason f- for them to do it that way. I just don't understand it.
6: To me, uh, even changing it for the uh, over for the postseason is very reactionary. Uh, look, what if it, it, the buffalo bills get a stop like the cincinnati bengals did in the ac championship game are we changing the overtime rules no we're not no, we're absolutely we're not, not. yeah everybody freaked out because oh my goodness the the chiefs the bills didn't get a chance to touch the ball the bills had a chance to get the ball back the bengals did stop the ac championship game get a stop like that's <laughs> so okay the bills don't get a stop and the chiefs win the game a great game by the way right away and now all of a sudden you got to change the rules like that doesn't make any sense to me i had no problem with the overtime rules i know i'm kind of on an island here but Defense is part of the game, too. And if you yeah. can't keep a team, I, yeah. I, I get it. Like changing the full sudden death where you can get inside field goal range with these kickers being as good as they are. Right, You're only having to get 30, 40 yards and you can get right. a field goal and win a game. But you're saying you all you got to do is keep body end zone one time and your offense is going to get the ball. I don't think that's too much to ask. I never did. And I goes back. I keep talking about this. Okay, let's say that Chiefs-Bills game plays out again. Chiefs get the ball. They score. Bills get the ball. They score. Chiefs get the ball. They score. Everybody's going to say, well, the Chiefs got the ball twice. The Bills got the ball once. How's that fair? We need to change <laughs> yeah, the rules. Right. Like, when does it end? That's right. I, so, that's- I, but I think that I, I do agree with not changing it for regular season because you can't stretch games out forever in a regular season. These okay. guys are already playing 17 games. Yeah. Okay. That's a lot to ask. So, okay. I get it in the regular season more than I get it in postseason. As weird as that sounds, I just don't get why we we, we had this radical. Changing. Why? It's still not gonna be fair. And it's it's just reactionary to what happened with the Bills.
1: Tell, tell the field goal kickers when they end, end of regulation, go sit, take your helmet off, take your shoulder pads off, yeah. go sit down. There are no field goals. You gotta go for two-point conversions, yeah. and that'll end the thing quick.
6: Yeah, I think That's, so too. Yeah. it's just and my I, opinion. It's, and if <laughs> it, there's and there's ways to do it. I I do one thing that there's actually somebody on Twitter, just one of my followers told me, and it stuck, and I, I totally buy in. The, there shouldn't be a coin flip in overtime. It should be whoever has home field advantage because you've earned that. That's Theoretically, true. you are the better seed. You have done something to earn that. Whether that it's is winning true. Revision, better record, whatever it is. So give the home team the ball first. Give them that advantage because they have earned it or given the choice. If they want to defer, they can defer. But give them the choice because they've earned that by getting a better record. It's not just a flip of a coin
1: very interesting uh what else is interesting you talk about kick kick the can down the road how do the rams do what they do they (laughs) just signed bobby wagner to a five-year deal worth 50 million they just keep on getting veteran players and trying to run it back again
6: yeah i think that i mean it's they're they're geniuses of figuring out the cap (laughs) and manipulating it and i don't think they're cheating in any way i think that they just have figured out the loopholes in the cap and also One of, again, you talk about, yeah. One day we're going to look up in 2026, and so we're going to say the LA Rams are coming into the offseason $95 million over the cap, and they got to just tear it down this year. It's going to happen, it has to happen, especially when you get Bobby Wagner, who I love Bobby Wagner, I think yes. he's a good player, but he ain't got five years left. No, I mean, if you get three out of him, I'd be impressed. Yeah, so you're just having this massive cap hit at some point, and all this probably funny money at the end of the deal. But yes, they have figured they. I love what they do. I really do. I think that it's so smart because the NFL is not a long-term league. It is no. just not. You cannot have a five-year plan in the NFL <laughs> because right. you're not going to be there in five yeah, years. Exactly. Win now. Win now. What? Yeah. Like the the Packers are a great example we just talked about. What are you doing? You're trying to be good for five years. I'd rather be great for one. Nobody's going to remember, hey, you had that streak where you, you, you won 12 games four years in a row. Nobody cares. Did you win a Super Bowl? Did you make it to the Super Bowl? That's all anybody cares about.
1: Doesn't it give you the impression? I just thought when you said Devonte Adams, I mean Aaron Rodgers was talking about retiring and all this. Now he's got his money, he's got his big contract, and Devonte Adams, he ain't saying nothing. He's not yeah. saying it, you know. He's like, oh, okay, i you know I can do I it.
6: That whole situation is weird. Weird. Right? Like I and you always wonder. And I haven't seen anything definitively written on this. I might have missed it during March Madness or whatever. But to say. Did Aaron Rodgers know this was going to happen? Was he like, I mean, did, because I don't know if, if the Packers come to him and say, okay, we'll sign his deal, but we're going to have to trade away Devontae Adams. What does he do? Or is he like blindsided by them trading Devontae? It has to be one or the other, right? Yeah. Like, I, I don't know. Like it's, it's a very weird situation. And I just don't I don't agree with it. And I don't agree. Another one I don't agree with. I don't agree that she's trading Tyree Kill. Yes. I get it. I get it. You're Tyreek Hill's asking because uh, Christian Kirk got 21 million dollars a year. So every good receiver in the NFL is saying, I'm twice as Christian, Christian Kirk, Kirk is. Yeah. I, I don't right. want Christian Kirk money. Right. I want way more than that. So I get it. Tyreek Hill was never going to re-sign, but that doesn't mean you gotta trade him. They didn't get some we can't turn this down, deal. They got some good haul in draft picks. I get that, but it wasn't like, well, we gotta do this. We got no, you could just ride it out with Tyree killed. See what happens in a year. Why not chase the title when you got a chance?
1: Absolutely. I'm with you, man. Don't don't plan for down the road. You better win now, or you're not going to be there. Uh, the Schwab he's the best. He's got, uh, Kansas, Cutting down the nets and he ticked he bet the under on the
6: Saints in seven and a half. You kill everybody. You kill Sorry, me, Sorry me. I had to do it. I you know I'm always honest with you. Ah, you are. That's, with you. We'll that's see, what I we'll love see about it you. We'll we'll see how the Saints do this year. How'd all
1: right. The craziest uh off season in NFL history. Uh Frank, thank you. Have that's a great right. weekend, buddy. I appreciate it. All right. Frank Schwab from Yahoo Sports. We will be back to wrap this, this thing up. This thing we call the Jordy Helper Show on the game. 103.7 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. We are Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Seven and a half. Wow. finishing touches on this uh, Thursday, March 31st. If today is your birthday, happy birthday from all of us to all of you. Share it with um, an actor who's got a long list of credits, but I will always remember him from a Saturday Night Live skit. Whenever LSU plays Mississippi State, I'm digging the sound. I'm digging the vibe. Just needs more cowbell. Happy 79th birthday to Christopher Walken. Uh, Tomorrow, a fun-filled Friday with all the regular crowd shuffling in. LSU baseball the Cajuns baseball the final four the Pelicans versus the Lakers we'll cover it all James thank you so much thanks to all of you for listening and to our partners that make it possible until tomorrow I'm Jordy Hultberg uh stay thirsty my friends do everything you possibly can to stay healthy that's the most important thing my friends and by all means hey life is short let's all be happy my friends have a great evening we'll talk to you tomorrow so long everybody